Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, TV, writing, radio, and today, design. This is part of a series I'm putting together of designers and illustrators and photographers who are all key parts of the behind the scenes in creating marketing materials for performers. And if you want to view the whole series, you can find it at well on the website rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com or if you want to go via the shortcut link it's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash ati designers that's rc industry designers i'm going to try and make them all like that so you can find like the categories of designers agents reviewers whatever i'm basically putting together this is the first one in that series and today i'm talking to izzy lawrence it was amazing to chat to her. She is very open and very candid about what she does. Um, she's very honest about the fact that she is a designer and painter, illustrator and amateur photographer and enjoys doing it on the side of being a comedian. And she does it for, as she puts it, extra pocket money. So if you're interested in working with her, do look her up. She's absolutely lovely. And I've had a look at her work and it looks amazing. She's done some really cool stuff for different uh, types of comedians, sketch acts, uh, everything really. So don't feel like if you're not a comedian, if you're doing a play or something, you can't talk to her. I'm sure she'd be willing to talk to you. She just might not have the time to do it. And as a result, can't do the work. But there are other designers on this series that might. So take your pick. So she doesn't take on all work and we discuss what work she's interested in and what she looks for in a project and talk about things that you can practically put into place as a performer if you're looking at de designing and developing your own promotional materials. I loved it as a performer who has just applied to take part in the Edinburgh Fringe and is accepted to take part in the Brighton Fringe. It's really helped me out because I'm starting to think about posters and design and flyering and all that kind of stuff that 
most of us leave to the last minute, if we're honest. Um, so it was good to talk to her about it this early on. And um, we we had so much fun talking, we went off on a bit of a tangent. As a result, this podcast is split into two parts. This is part one of it, and it's episode seven of the podcast in general. And the second part is all about branding as a comedian. It's all about thinking about what you're like on stage, what you how you present yourself, what you're talking about, how you can extend your brand through podcasts or through blogging or through anything that's online and accessible and can help you reach a wider audience. She was really honest and open about that, and that's episode eight of the podcast. So if you want to have a look around for that, it should be on iTunes or Stitcher or on the website. Or if you go to rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com, should have links there that you can't really miss it or just search the website it's very easy to find stuff on there as always if you want to follow the show notes you need to go to the website all the questions are there that we asked all the people we talked about and all the links and everything are there on the site as well as links to her website if you want to work with her uh, and she's lovely to chat to so i'm sure she's just as lovely to work with you can go to her website which is iszi.com and you can find ways of contacting her. She's also on Twitter and Facebook and all the other places where you'd imagine every one of us would be. And yeah, mention that you heard about it in the podcast so that she knows where you heard it from. Remember, this is the podcast about design. If you want the one about branding, go to episode eight, which is up at the same day this was up. So it's not like you have to wait around for it. Without any more delay, here is Izzy. No worries, no worries. Oh dear. Oh dear. Can I just say I don't know? You don't know? I, I The answers to any of them. 42. There you go. You, I feel like we should start recording on that. That's amazing as, a start, <laughs> as an opening to it. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I've recorded all of this back chat, so... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'll, definitely, uh, I'll definitely just edit that as the opening. But... Okay. I, I literally got up, had a coffee, and I am now here. So, hooray! Oh, hooray! <laughs> So I am Izzy Lawrence. I'm a comedian by trade, but I also do a bit of graphic design on the side. And that includes everything from photography to um, uh, poster design. I've done illustrations to some children's books and I've done street art. So 2005, I was up at the Edinburgh Fringe when I was still at university, drawing Stephen Carlin and Norman Lovett's face on things uh, in chalk and charcoal, which was... An interesting way to spend the fringe, but I probably made more money than both of them, so I was quite happy with that. Um, and what else was I doing? What else have I done? Um, yeah, it's pretty much just logos and um, uh, posters. So regular posters, I do stuff for mirth control. I do um, fringe posters, so I've done some illustrations for people like Matt Dwyer and Matt Price, the people I'm allowed to mention, I think. Um and yeah, it's it's you know I I tick over I think is I do a few comedy club logos. I've done some podcast art, some banner art for the internet, and um, I occasionally put have my drawings in magazines. So um, very rarely though, I do like special brochures. So I had to do a series of uh, a magician called James Randy uh, for the amazing meeting, and that got in. You know, so it was in everybody's brochure and that sort of things. Also, when the comedy fix was going, I was drawing pictures of Michael Palin and stuff like that. So there we go. That's what that's what I do. I don't know. I have no background in anything. I am pretty much self-taught. I did GCSE art when I was a kid um, and I got chucked out about 
two weeks in, mainly because it was up against chemistry and I wanted to do chemistry because, you know, chemistry is awesome. And also because I drew dragons over the still life picture I was meant to do for my coursework, which wasn't appropriate, apparently. So I didn't take it up very seriously. And as a result, um, yes, I'm now qualified with an A in chemistry, but not in GCSE art. Is that will that do? <laughs> I don't know what to say. I should also I would also like to point out that it is Sunday morning and I am just sort of up. And when I say morning, okay, it's quarter past midday, but that is still morning. So <laughs> <laughs> morning for someone who had a gig last night. Yes, indeed. Okay. You do poster designs for fringe shows. Yes. At what point in the process of having a fringe show should someone seek out a designer? Because we all have to register quite early on before, sometimes even before the show's written. Yeah, I, I tend to think that um, when you register with the um, festival, they ask you to provide a little thumbnail. Yeah. And I think it's really important that that image in your thumbnail reflects the show, reflects also your social media and everything else, just so that people know what you are. Um, so there's a recognisable little image. It's, it's branding. It's quite cynical and horrible to say that, but it does, I think, matter. Even if you haven't decided and you've just put a picture of yourself in it and you might have a particular colour, you can say to your designer, or if your designer's any good, they'll recognise the fact that you've used that colour and that might reflect in the rest of your artwork. So be careful what pictures you send because, you know, if you come with me and want me to do it, I will use those images that you've already got um, to carry on your post work and other artwork. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And, that, and that's half answers the question I was going to ask. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Honestly, um, answer these in any order you want. It's not a problem. Excellent. Um, as long as you answer. No, um, the because the, the little square has always yeah. been something that annoys me um, yeah. because I can't work out what to put in it, you know, in the brochure and program, I mean. And um, I'm really enjoying discussing with designers what... Because it's not a lot of space. To... No, it's not. I mean, you do want, I think... I mean, it's a very cynical thing, but the way our brains are is that we make faces out of everything. That is the way our brains work. So we see two dots and a line as a face because that is the way we're programmed. What's it called? It's called... Fur, 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 f oh, that's going to annoy me. Uh Damn it, I can't remember what it's called. And I should know this because I'm a good sceptic and I understand it, but never mind. It's too early in the morning. Um, yeah, uh, basically, I would say that faces tend to sell things more than not. Um, if you have, in the unlikely event that somebody has seen you a previous year and wants to see you again and can't remember your name, um, they might recognise you just from that. Uh, but mainly, I think... Um, you want something that isn't, you know, it's a close-up of something or it's an illustration because that way it's going to pop a lot better than something where you've got six different faces in it and they're all just, you know, little pink smudges. Um, I just think it would be, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. I don't, I preferred it when they didn't have any images um, in it and it was just the type because I just think it made for a nicer brochure. But uh, that's my cynical opinion on design. <laughs> I think images are overused sometimes. I shouldn't say that as an illustrator, but there we go. Not a, nor a photographer. You should probably be plugging your... <laughs> well, I'm not. I, when I do photography, I do it as part of... So sometimes, I mean, I would always recommend 
going to a professional photographer. Um, I am I do not consider myself a professional photographer. I have taken photos for projects, and I think there's a big difference. I think photography is a thing that you need to respect and needs to be. Um, it's anything. I do not have a studio. I use when I have gone out and I've photographed a few sketch groups, for example, and we went out on location, but it was for a specific album that they were releasing, and it was you know it was part of it, and you know it was the inserts, you know, um, look at the guys in the pub, aren't they normal? Weird stuff. Um, it was their idea, but we made it work and we made it good. But I do think um, you know, particularly headshots, particularly. Um, there are certain, I mean, there are very good photographers and much better photographers than me out there. But because some people can't afford those and because they are very specific things. Um, for example, I've got a friend called Phil who is not a professional photographer, but is a very good photographer. He's an amateur photographer. And for my personal projects, like my podcast, The Z List Dead List, I got him to take the photographs because I couldn't justify spending a huge amount of money on a podcast that doesn't really earn me anything yet. And... Um, then I helped, you know, together we came up with a design idea and we did it on the cheap. Whereas if I was to get myself photographed professionally, I would go with, you know, Andy or Idil or somebody like that just to make it look professional and to sell myself. Yeah, it makes sense. I, sh I should also say we've got Idil coming on Yay. a few days. She, she seems absolutely lovely. and She's very talented. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people use her and I think that is good. Uh, I think it's always very difficult when you've got because you can tell, you know, from a photograph who's taken it often, and particularly with Andy Hollingworth and with um, Idle, they they've got a very distinct style, and I think that's great. But it also there is an argument, and I don't know if I particularly agree with it, and particularly in Idle's case, because although she's got a style, you can there's a big difference between the different photographs she takes. But there is a sort of thing where you're walking past all these posters and you go, yeah, Idle took that. That's an Andy one. There's an Idle one. You know, there's a certain you can tell who took the photographs, and the danger is that everything ends up looking very similar. But fortunately, with a talented photographer, that doesn't happen. That makes sense. So what should people come to you for if you're if not if not photography it should just be the poster design Yeah or... I mean basically I do so I, I don't just do it for the Edinburgh Fringe I do it for Brighton Fringe Leicester Comedy Festival things like that people sort of say ah I haven't got any image design thing can you help and often these people have um like a headshot already that they need to use in it because that's what they've used in the you know, in the online stuff. And so I just work out a very easy way of turning that into a decent and interesting looking flyer. So say uh, a comedian came to me with a headshot that he didn't particularly like, and he had several because it, they were taking a couple of years. They're a few years old and he thinks he d looks silly in them and he wanted me to make a flyer out of it. So what I did was I made a, a, a compound image of those and blurred a few of them so it looked like he was looking over his own shoulder and it gave it some sort of dynamism and then just you know put the um uh, relevant information on it and told him he couldn't have all his quotes on it because otherwise people wouldn't even read it <laughs> that's one of the big sort of bugbears with comedians is i need everything hey three weeks gave me five stars six years ago so i really need that on that no you don't you really don't <laughs> um often one very good quote beats four mediocre quotes so you know you do you know because I'm, I'm an egotist I want to have all my stars on there I want look five stars five stars from a magazine you've never heard of um you know you want that at your top just for your ego's sake but actually if you're trying to sell something 
you want to be very clear with the thing you're selling. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, For me, personally, I hate the star rating system, so I try not to use them. But I also feel sometimes... Says a man who's got a lot of free stars. Free and four. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm teasing you. (laughs) It's fine. fine. Not all of us can have five stars. No, that's Uh, true. That's true. I've got... No, literally all my five stars are from the weird Edinburgh things that only exist in Edinburgh. And, oh, no, I've got one five star from Louder Than War, which is... An American, well, no, it's not American, it's a Mancunian punk magazine, which is interesting. So I don't know what that was anyway. That's one one more five star than me, so don't. Okay, fair enough. Go put it down. Um, What I mean that I know of, I I should probably Google more often because there's probably some tiny magazine somewhere that went, oh, this was amazing. Uh, Probably not. Um, Fortunately, I I made a vow of never reading Edinburgh reviews. Unfortunately, I was with a venue who did it all for me and put them all on, and then I couldn't avoid it because it was my face from my own special designed flyers, and they were amazing. Uh, And, um, yeah, with with the stars all on it. So, And also, when you're flyering, you need to know, because otherwise people go, oh, has anybody reviewed it? How many stars? And you have to say. Well, the the thing is, I I find especially halfway through the fringe when they start just plastering on like you know either paper over the top of like really expensive posters mm. that say you know stars. I find that ruins them a bit. It does ruin them a bit, but a good designer, le- you, I leave space for that. So you've got to leave a sort of you know inch and a half by two inch little gap on your flyer somewhere, which usually has ideally not over your, a face or anything like that, but maybe if you've got any clothing in there or if you've got. I don't know, but there's usually a space where you can do that. And if there isn't a space, you should make sure there is a space for that so that you can just staple on a thing, a review. So you only have very good clients is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, um, uh, I, I, I often find that even, you know, I, the first time I went up to the Edinburgh Fringe, I was but a child and I went up in 2002 and... We, you know, we're in a play, but we got, I think, a three-star review for the play because we were awesome. But there was a thing where, I can't remember who wrote the review, but it was, um, the the actual quote was, why would such a talented cast do a play like this? And so we cut out such a talented, cl- sorry, such a talented cast and uh, stuck that on the flyers. But... <laughs> You know, so I think everybody, if you can get a review, which I know is quite tricky, uh, getting the teenagers to come and see your show. Uh, <laughs> but if you if you can get one, you should try and, you know, use it as best you can. And I think a lot of people do get reviewed, I think. I got, yeah. When I was there, I got, I think, eight or nine different reviews, I think. But I was with the stand, so the stand are very good at getting people in early. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't say that too much because a lot of um well i would say a percentage of this audience are people that do the free fringe that struggle to get people in um well it's all about you know press releases and everything else and it's really just don't just sit back you have to really chase people uh, more than your ego wants you to and you have (laughs) to write the good press release and in your press release you should include the image that you're using for your posters and you should include information about you and why you're interesting as well as why your show's interesting and why they need to pay attention to you. You basically, I mean, because I, I can't afford PR, so I'm assuming um, majority of people listening, if they're not with one of the major companies, can't afford decent PR, in which case you have to do all of those jobs. Yeah, I completely agree. And and for me, that's that's largely what this podcast is about. I mm. um, am not banking on being with one of the large companies or large agencies anytime soon. And 
oh, in a way, I don't want to for live work. I quite enjoy doing my own stuff for that. And as a result, I'm trying to learn more about what I should be doing for it. And mm. I, up until now, have left loads of things to the last minute, like posters and, and flyers and things. And it's why I'm doing these interviews now, because it's it's great to get in early and, and discover what I need to do and what, like, need... And, and also just... Because from, from your end, it feels like whenever I've gone to a designer before, I've just gone and said, hi, I'm doing this show. Can you make me a poster or a flyer? Mm-hmm. And then there's no, like, dynamic there. There's no relationship there. And there's no... Um, learning from what you've done you just come back with something pretty and I go oh that's pretty and you're like it's not just pretty it's also got this really good bit here and the eyes drawn here and you know like I've, I've managed to fit in this bit here that you made me put in because you said that it had you know what I mean yeah um, it's um it's it's very tricky um I find the the biggest fault particularly with logo design is people say well I kind of want this and so you kind of give them that and that's not what they wanted they wanted something <laughs> else but they won't it's a bit like going to the doctors and going, oh, I've got a bit of a cold and I feel a bit run down and the doctor going through all the symptoms with you and as you're leaving going, ooh, and my dick's gone weird. You know, it's kind of... The, the important bit usually comes right at the end where they say, no, I don't want that design. I've got a very specific design in mind and I'm disappointed you haven't been able to mind read. So for me, it just saves me a lot of time if you just say, this is what I want and I'm pretty sure I want this and I don't care if you think it's crap. I mean, my my philosophy always is that, um, for me, graphics is a hobby. So I like drawing. I will draw, you know, stuff myself. And I have, last year, I got, um, uh, I maybe won't say this, actually. I won't. (laughs) Um, I basically, there's, I I charge what, if I want to do the project, that's how I adjust my, um, how much I charge, is basically. So if I don't want to do the project, I will charge you quite a lot. And if you want to go with me, that's great. I'll still put my 100% into it. But if I really want to do the project, I don't tend to charge you, you know, hundreds of pounds. So it's uh, it's it's a case of, you know, for me, it's hobby. I'm not reliant on it for my income. So if I don't want to do it, I won't. Simple as. Um, does that make sense? Did yeah. I answer any question then? I don't think I did, but never no, mind. No, you did. You did. In fact, you half answered another question. Oh, no. It's all right. Even, you only just sort of touch on other things and then leave sure. it. Okay. Um, what, what kind of shows do you like working on then? I like um, well, I like doing um, Comedy Club logos quite a lot. Um, I find that, and, and also podcast logos, I really enjoy doing. Um, I really, I get a few painting commissions, believe it or not. Um, my favourite one from last, no, it was the year before last now, because it's 2015. What happened? Um, yeah. But yeah, from 2013, my favourite, like, um, commission that I had to draw like paint proper painting was Alan Rickman riding a unicorn and that's the sort of thing where I just go yes I'm definitely definitely um, doing this and because I, I put my stuff up with um, a site called Redbubble which is amazing if you paint or draw and have paintings and drawings you think are good stick them up on Redbubble and they'll sell them for you on like everything from iPhones to canvases to t-shirts and stuff like that and um all you do is put your percentage on the top so you don't do any work and that one's made me quite a bit of money which is quite nice (laughs) lots of people are walking around well not walking around so much but they have alan rickman in their homes riding a unicorn (laughs) but i don't know enough people who are willing to buy an alan rickman um like postcard (laughs) to make it worthwhile 
you've got the wrong audience. I want one. I... Okay, well, go on Redbubble and buy one because you're a weirdo. Uh... I'm not a weirdo. I just have a space on my wall. Okay, it's... fair enough. There's a lot of pictures of that. I mean, because one of the things I like doing, if you look at my notebooks, um, I tend to, I think like a lot of male artists will draw beautiful young women in their 20s. I tend to draw sexy men in their 50s. So there's a lot of Robbie Coltrane, a lot of Alan Rickman, a lot of uh, people like Christopher Hitchens back in the day. It's, uh, <laughs> there's quite, I think, oh, I don't have a theme. And then, yeah, it's all kind of, you know, sexy old guys. But hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's got to be a niche for everything. Yeah, indeed. You know, um, and I do, I do, I, I do, I mean, like I say, for me, it is a hobby. So I do spend a lot of time just drawing stuff for just me um, and painting stuff for just me. I've got in my hallway at home, um, I've got, what's it? It's three metres by two metres. Um, and it's the um, opening uh, title page of Andreas Vesalius's Anatomy of the Human Body. And it's massive. And I did it all in pen on the wall because that is the beauty of not renting anymore. Boom. So, yeah. <laughs> so I've got it like literally, uh, it's floor to ceiling and it's huge. And the original would have been about uh, 50 centimetres by... Um, maybe 40 centimetres, something like that. It's not huge, but it's a big, you know, A3 sort of size. And I've made an A3 size fit a stairwell. And it's just a woman being cut open by Andreas Vesalius and all of the physicians, you know, from like 14, where is it? 50, uh, I can't even remember now. It must be 57, I think. Um, looking over and having arguments and their dogs and their monkeys and there's a naked guy and there's people looking out down from balconies. It's quite fun. But um, I'm a big fan of um, illustrators like Piranesi, um, who just these amazing engravings. I don't know if you've seen any. He just basically imagined these epic scenes where you just have like architecture that didn't exist at the time. It's like it's it's like modern like Gotham City, but actually drawn like, you know, hundreds of years ago. It's it's amazing, Piranesi. I do recommend. Um, but that said, I like Bill Waterston and I like Hergé, so I like all sorts of illustrators. Um, there's a really, really nice modern um, political cartoonist that I really like. She doesn't just do political cartoon. Her name's Eleanor Foreman Peck, and she's got amazing... She does the really good pictures of Boris Johnson um, in The Observer, I think, uh, just and Spectator as well, actually. I think she's pretty much everywhere, but she's really good. And she just does you know, very, very simple block lines and a lot of beige and then really clever uses of colour. Ah, she's amazing. Um, but yeah, Anna thinks she's younger than me. The bitch. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. Fine, it's fine. It's, if, if there's one thing that uh, younger people are there for, it's to hate because, you know... They're, they're talented. talented. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah. Um, so in answer to your question... It is a hobby. It is. I mean, I'd consider it a hobby. So if there's a thing, if you come to me and say, hey, my software company needs a really classy diamond shape, I'm probably going to charge you more than you say, well, there's a really amazing idea for a show and I've only got 50 quid. Can you help me? And I'm like, that sounds like an amazing idea for a show and I want to help you. You know, it's it's one of these things. Whereas, you know, a professional would go, well, these are my standard rates. I go, OK, these are my mate's rates because I want to do the project and these are the standard rates. So and the standard rates are a bit more expensive, but if I've got the time, I'll do it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um, so should you come and see the show in order to get a feel for it, or is that not necessary? Well, I don't think it's entirely necessary. Um, I do think it'd help. 
I think because basically a lot of the people that I work with, like Matt Price, I was really pleased with the designer did for his 2014 show, The Merry Hill Dinosaur, because he was adamant um, that he didn't want his picture on it. And this is a big no-no because faces sell. You know, like I said at the beginning, it's the thing that you instantly look for. You look for the human. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Connection in something. But he was very insistent that his face would only go on the back of the flyer and not in the front of the flyer. And it was a story about a mentally ill man who thought he was a dinosaur and he actually lived in Merry Hill, a part of Glasgow. It's a fantastic show. Uh, he got lots of five stars, I think. Um, but yeah, and so he wanted to design for that. And immediately, just the picture in my mind, because I know Matt's style of comedy quite well, was of this big stegosaurus sat in a bar looking miserable, um, but yeah. in quite a sort of Art Deco y type of way so looking like an old 1930s 1940s poster and that worked really well um i had a few emails just off the back of that going oh can i get you know a similar thing for this podcast or a similar thing for that banner um so yeah um that was that was a really fun project to do um and it helped that i knew matt's style of comedy i knew it would be storytelling i knew the sort of vibe he was going for i mean generally I tend to work with people I've met because that's how they've heard about me. Because I don't, you know, it's on my website, izzy.com, I-S-Z-I dot com. Um, you can see a few of my designs there. But generally, I, I use my internet presence to plug my comedy because that's where most of my income comes from. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I tend to know the people I work for quite well. It's a bit different when you're working with podcasts because people who do podcasts and that sort of thing... Some of them haven't actually made the podcast yet and are a bit like, oh, what should I do? Um, and unless they've got, unless you've got an understanding of what you're doing, it's probably not the right time to 
approach a designer about it. If do you see what I mean? Yeah, because... that's probably the same with shows. If you haven't, because although we read, although we have to register it like for the fringe now. Yeah. And the fringe is in August. We're in January. Uh, or sorry, February now. But we're, we're in January. Let's call it January. You know, I I had my concept for my show in September last year mm. at the very end of the fringe, and I'm very lucky about that because I spoke to friends about it, and they said, "Oh, that's nice," but. <laughs> you know, patronisingly. Yeah, um, that's nice, dear. Well done. That's, that's nice. You carry on with that. That will not win you an award. Um, no, uh, but no, they they were very supportive and they were very nice about it. But then I asked them, oh, so are you doing Edinburgh next year? And a lot of them hadn't decided yet because they didn't know if they had a theme or they didn't have something to talk about or, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's kind of chicken and egg, it feels like. It is a bit. I mean, there, there are more, you know, there are... Certain shows which don't require because you're using... I mean, it depends. If it's a stand-up show and the theme is largely you, it's very simple to get a good photograph which describes that. Whereas if you're doing a play or a sketch show or something more storytelling, it's very important. I think the design comes into it more because with stand-up comedy... You know, ultimately, you know, a Bill Bailey fan, if Bill Bailey starts doing stuff, you know, with no music in, I think Bill Bailey fans might still go, oh, that's interesting, I'll go and see it, and you still need Bill Bailey's face on the poster. It would be nice, obviously, if you had the time to just have Bill Bailey smashing a guitar and saying never again or something like that. You know, I don't know why I'm picking on Bill Bailey. But <laughs> it's uh, um, there, there are... There are certain themes which you need to exaggerate if it's vital to the show. For example... If it is a show with a lot of swearing and a lot of stuff, but it's on in the middle of the afternoon, you really don't want to use cartoony logos that people might think, oh, that looks like a kid's show. You know, you want to think about it in that sense. But ultimately, if you're a stand-up comic, you can make a very decent-looking poster. I was very impressed with um, Elf Lyons' poster from... uh, The Underground... uh, Yeah. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. I can't the... remember what it's called, but it, she was talking about the underground and her love affair with um, Harry Beck, who's one of the designers of the tube yep. map and everything else. And it was a great show. And she, um, I believe, I'm not 100%, but I think the main photo of her there was just a standard comedy um, 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 thing. that I don't know who, which designer she used. It was a very good one, who just um, cut her out and put her against um, um, a, a, an image of... Um, the underground and everything else but in a way that made it look like a 1950s underground poster and things like that if you've got a good I mean basically when you're taking images for your headshots and everything else it's a very good idea to have a few against either a white or black background without too much you know shading behind just because for designers like me it's terribly simple to cut you out and then put you against whatever I like um, in photoshop which I can hear other designers going, no, spend the money, make it look professional. But you can actually do quite nice images. I did one for a couple of poets who didn't have any photographs of them together. And the photographs they gave me were so pixelated and just really bad quality that what I ended up doing was turning it into a Game Boy thing. So I over-pixelated them even further, jammed them together, and then made them look like they were coming out of a Mario um, uh, Nintendo background so I mean it, it, things like that um, it's amazing what you can sort of get round and they were quite pleased with that because um, yeah I mean, it wasn't a particularly computery themed show but it sort of um, they were looking at um, being uh, what's the word they were looking what's the word 
retrospective, I want to say, but that's yes. wrong. You know, they were nostalgic. And so the Game Boy, you know, in that lovely green that you had on the old screen and yes. nothing's in black. And so it looked quite nostalgic and it kind of fitted in with their theme. But it was just out of desperation because I didn't have the images. Fair enough. But, yeah. uh, but, that's, but that's kind of... I find some of the best things come out of, like, weird, you know, stumbling blocks in things. Mm. Often. Often. Um, you said that it's a big no-no, basically. Well, I don't. Wanna, I don't want to quote you badly, but mm. basically, you were talking about having your face on the poster. Mm. What? Why were you against him not having his face on the poster? Um, well, no, it's just that faces. You know, there are there are things which sell, and faces because they instantly grab you because you're a monkey and you want to see other faces and everything you see faces everywhere and curtains and what have you that's what you focus on naturally so you're going to look at a face even if you're not going to even if you hate that face you're still going to look at the face because that's what you're programmed biologically to do that's why having a face there is very good um the other way of doing it if you look at old adverts of cigarettes um and for alcohol adverts there's often quite a nasty element to it so if you look at silk cut old ads for silk cut and you have it's basically if you look at silk cut adverts it's all about castration all the images make no sense but it's all about you know things getting cut off tips of things getting cut off you know and they're quite disturbing images and because they're disturbing they stick in your head because you don't understand them all you see is silk cut and it makes you because they disturb you fundamentally on a very base level fancy a cigarette to calm you down it's really clever and so actually presenting an image which doesn't make quite much sense so say something in the image is slightly upside down that a lot of you know look at the um, new labor new danger ads which are still you know you know stick in my head i was only a kid at the time in 1997 right but they ripped through the politician's eyes and put these devil eyes which weren't <laughs> even devil eyes they were upside down eyes in red they were really clever it was just so disturbing what looking at it and trying to work out what was wrong with it and everything else that it really focused your attention on it and things which are slightly out of place and make you go what is that make you look at something longer. And if you're looking at something longer, you're more likely to absorb the information. Is the theory. Whether this works or not is another matter. <laughs> yeah, de no, definitely. But I mean, the, th the theory behind it is definitely sound. I know what you mean by... Uh, I can't remember. It's driving me crazy, the word you were trying to remember before, where you see faces in things. Yeah, it's f f f f It's with a P-H... Uh... Oh, I I used to know I used to know it so much because I used I it was actually in a set of mine which is really annoying. Now I'm trying to remember the joke and I can't remember the joke even. It's too early. It's like it's <laughs> sorry, I guys. It's before one in the afternoon. Okay, it's before one in the afternoon, and I was miles away last night and I had to drive and it's really bad. So yeah. We I, I very much appreciate your time. And that's I'm, cool. I'm that's so sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Don't you worry about it. Um. um I was going to really quickly ask you a logistics question. Logistics? On, well, I don't know how else to describe it. When you take photos or design yep. a poster, yep. do you still own the rights to that design or Aha. image? This is the thing. Now, when it's mates rights, I say yes. So everything that's on my website, I still own uh, part of the copyright over because I've done it for cheap. And that's the thing we agreed. There are some things which I'm not allowed to mention, partly because I have worked for... Um, I, I can say that, actually. I've worked for a multinational 
whose design department had a low budget and wanted somebody to do some stuff. And I quoted them what I thought was outrageous and they paid me that. But I'm not allowed to ever mention or use, you know, who that was and what they used it for. And occasionally I see it and I go, ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so that that's that was lucrative but disappointing. But, yeah, it's um, it's that thing. Because I'm not a professional photographer, I do not insist on being you know quoted and that sort of thing i do not consider myself a professional photographer in any way so um i i am happy not being quoted on that my designs as well i don't think i've asked anybody to you know uh mention who took the photos or um, or who's done the illustrations obviously i know it's interesting with the kids books i'm not sure who owns that i think because i got paid a flat fee they own it now um i'm pretty sure I don't know, you see, because, like I say, I'm a job's worth. I don't, you know, I'm I'm doing this as fun. Um, certainly when I got the Alan Rickman Riding a Unicorn painting, uh, which you can get on redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Izzy, I said I. Yeah, uh, for that one, I did sort of say, look, because I'm doing this, because it's so silly for, you know, I, I, I let's put it this way. I, I was in three figures rather than in, you know, four. Um uh, I said, look, can you, um, I want the rights to sell this. Are you happy with that? And they were absolutely happy with that. So I still own the rights to that. But it's, I know that photographers take it very seriously. And now you understand why, because it's a bit like somebody using your jokes on Twitter and not quoting you. You know, it's just like, hey, it matters. So if you have got, you know, Idyll, I imagine, would feel very strongly about having her stuff, you know, with her name on it um, every time you use it. Um, but... Um, but yeah, but like I say, my designs and everything else, I'm quite cool with, you know, for me, it's because it's not if it was what I was reliant on my income for, I'd be very, very differently minded about it. But I like I say, it's a bit of extra pocket money if I've got the time. And if I don't have the time, don't get cross when I say no. <laughs> you have talked a lot about faces and people's attraction to faces and uh, in posters particularly trying to re remember people they've seen. Are there any other, I wouldn't say tricks and hints, but are there any other theories that you know about in design that people could try and incorporate into their posters? Or is it mainly that you know about um, faces that people should uh, keep? I, 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 guess are, I think there are ways of portraying um, certain themes in a show so there's certainly well, there are fonts that we recognize as being childish so if you're doing a kid's show it's quite easy to advertise that just by using certain fonts and styles that kids tv's shows uses if you're doing quite a serious show or a show you considered epic you can um use very similar um design to movie posters uh, which is also, I do that quite a lot because, I mean, there's certain co colours which contrast and go quite well together. So it's the um, the blues and the oranges, you know. Loads of movie posters use blues and oranges together. I think, was it Trajan Pro as well as the font they use on everything? And Helvetica for the little bits at the bottom. Helvetica is very overused, though. I get quite irritated by Helvetica. But often when I use a font... And the people go, oh, I'm not sure if I like that font. I replace it with Helvetica. And they go, I love it, I love it. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Because people find Helvetica comforting. Uh, I think they just make it look, makes them look official. Um, 
So there are certain fonts, obviously, I mean, everybody says avoid Comic Sans, but there are other fonts like Helvetica, which kind of get my goat slightly, although I do use it in my designs because people ask for it. But there are there are certain, um, yeah, it's certain colours and certain themes that you can get across. When I did my show in 2012, Izzy Lawrence's Whatnot, I very much stylized my um, show cover. So what it was was me with my head lying on the table with my glasses off looking through uh, my glasses. And so I put a green wash on that so it looked quite grainy. I spilt a lot of dirt on it, as it were, in Photoshop and I, I scratched it up. But I made my eye really, um, you know, the saturation, I just popped on it so it looked... Because my eyes are kind of like mud with bits of green in. But on the poster, they look like bits of yellow and gold and red and brown and green and blue and that like so it looked really almost rainbow like and quite mesmerizing and I think that image is actually a very good one the photography was by my friend Phil again because like I say is he's cheap and she photoshops and Phil's quite talented um but yeah I'm just turning around to look at it just going yeah that works it works quite well I I stylize I think for a while I'm not sure what my um I I, I uh, what's the word avatar on um, Twitter is at the moment it might still be um, or on Facebook uh, my Facebook one's the Z-list Deadlist new one but the Z-list Deadlist old one was me against a white bike background which is quite difficult because I've got white hair um, but it, very overly stylized. so it's you know I've almost cut myself out and made myself because I wear a tie suit and tie I tend to on stage not all the time but I tend to and so I have that is a selling point and I look, you know, a bit Eurythmics-y, a bit Sue Perkins-y and I try and bring that out as much so people remember who I am. I've always, um, when I'm on stage and just in general life, you know, try and portray myself in a certain way, which is, I think, oh, I want to look like I've made an effort, but I don't want to be sexy. So, hey, no problem, Izzy. Um, so I always <laughs> wear a suit um, or I try to sort of dress quite androgynous um, so it looks like, so if people are there, because often you're doing a gig and there are people there in, you know, like, I've done gigs with people with three-piece suits in the room. And if you're there with jeans and a T-shirt, you come across as a dick. So the fact that I look like I've dressed up a bit, even if I'm a bit creased and shambolic, it's it, people pay attention and they don't judge you so much. Um, but at the same time, no woman in that room is going to go, well, my boyfriend's going to fancy this kind of, what is that? Is that David Lynch? look more than you know me because I've doled myself up and I've made an effort and I'm definitely more beautiful than she is because she is not corresponding with any of the stereotypically beautiful things you know I'm very pale um I'm covering up my curves and um I'm lanky and taking the piss out of myself and I think when I come to doing online stuff and poster stuff those are the things I concentrate on because you have to understand I am very beautiful and uh, it takes quite a lot to cover that up uh, but still make me look cool and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Photoshop's good for that though yeah, it, is, it is good for that um, I, I do you've done a very good job thank you thank <laughs> you uh, but no it is it is um, it does matter if you could give one bit of advice say people they don't want to go with you for whatever reason or you're too busy that you can't do it anyway yeah you want to give one bit of advice to a couple of thousand comedians or performers, because I've not just got comedians on here. I've been getting some messages from people who do um, sketch and drama and, and all kinds of stuff, um, which is great. 
um, if you could give them one bit of advice in designing a poster flyer or anything for a fringe festival or just a solo show, what would it be? Hmm. Um, honestly, and, uh, and, uh, and a thing which sounds so stupid, but I've seen it go wrong. Make sure you put the time of your show on. Make sure you say what your show is. If it is a stand-up show, make sure you have the word stand-up comedy on it. If it is a play, have the word play on it. Um, honestly, the amount of times I've looked at a poster and gone, not sure what that is, looks popular, don't know what I'd be seeing, not going to risk that, you know? Um which is that's just so basic and a boring thing to say, really. Um, that and try. I mean, I, I'd also say that there are shows. There was a show once again a few years ago, probably two thousand and six, something like that. They called themselves Nice Mum, and all of their advertising was just the words Nice Mum, and I never found out what that was, but I remember that. But then, did that work? I don't know. This is I'm wittering now. Um, yeah, um, I'd just say, okay, my main bit of advice for everybody would just be unification. So if you've got a show coming up in August, late June, make sure your avatar, make sure, because particularly now with the Edinburgh Fringe, a lot of people buy their tickets before they go up. So make sure that you've got on your Twitter page the image of the show, on your Facebook page the image of your show, on your website the image of the show just so that people know who you are and that you're associated with the show. So if they like you, they might come. And if they don't like you, they won't ruin your show by sitting through it and booing. Great bit of advice. Um, well, thank you very much for coming on. That's all um, right. Also, because, I mean, you're giving up your time very early in the morning. And, <laughs> and it's we, not early in the morning at all. It definitely is pathetic. for me as well. So I don't <laughs> okay. know what you're... <laughs> um, no, but uh, so I really value your time, and and obviously it means that I'd love to you know give you back. I mean, like, do, where would be the best place for people to find you if they it, want to try? Izzy.com, Izzy. I reckon. Just, just go to Izzy.com. It's ju it's just a simple website, and it has all of my stuff on it. Really, it's got my podcast on it. It's got my design on it, and it all the design is. It's just like some hey, look at this stuff. Hey, you can buy stuff here if you want to buy stuff here. Sort of thing I do. It's very casual, but that's how I want to be. You know. I don't want to. I don't want to be considered a proper artist because I like proper artists, <laughs> you know. Whereas, yeah, I want to be considered a proper comedian because I hate comedians. That's came across <laughs> like that, but never mind. Um, but yeah, um, I don't want anybody who's actually studied art to take me very seriously. I think. I think it's more <laughs> of a case of I do things which I like, and you'll see. Very heavy influences in there of other artists because I am a magpie for things. But you know, who are your favourite artists? Um, favourite painters probably Edward Burrow. I don't know if you know Edward Burrow. Really, no. really, I like captivating. What I really like, I mean, I've nicked quite a lot of um, some of his style. I do much more photorealistic painting than he does. But often in my paintings, I will put a black line round things to make them sort of pop arty and stand out a bit and. Yeah, and Edward uh, has a very sort of like, you know, he'll put stuff which looks very real next to stuff which doesn't look very real. Uh, he's just wonderful. Go just Google Edward Burra, B-U-R-A-A. -A. Sorry, no, B-U-R-R-A. I'm an idiot. Um, and uh, obviously, I mean, if you want to look at what makes amazing posters, I think 
probably <laughs> this sounds weird you could probably look at Mondra so um, he's the guy who does the just you know basically invented pixels in the early 20th century he he basically has like his early stuff is just like squares within squares with a couple of um, coloured squares so it's very modern he kind of invented conceptual art he was you know this was I suppose you got Le Fontaine and things like that but this was painting conceptual art painting and he, he basically divided canvases into like right now on my wall you can go on my website and see this picture it's um a picture of Jonathan Meads um by the sea that I just did in a sketchbook and thought well that's quite good and did it bigger again and properly um but I've printed out um that picture and I've put it into different block frames so I've got a square like below my desk so I've got my computer my main computer and I've got my second screen which is already quite blocky and then I've got the different blocks behind with just bits of Jonathan Meads in it and I don't think many people would have pictures of Jonathan Meads in their sort of office come living room but it's it's pretty cool <laughs> um in my opinion but like I say that's just for me and I like it and I've got that picture of Christopher Hitchens that sells very well on the other wall um <laughs> but there we go yeah. Suits to be on my wall as well. Yay! Yeah. Oh, you like that one? Uh, that's that. Well, I have to see it first. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it's 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 my best-selling painting. That one. I've still got the original, but it's on Redbubble, and that I make about thirty or forty quid a month off that. That's People amazing. love that po- painting, and I'm just like, well, that's that's interesting. It literally, I was. I think it must have been two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and I was just bored, and I just painted it in less time I painted it in less than a day and I don't know can't remember doing it particularly I remember a bit of it and getting frustrated with the jeans but apart from that and yeah it's um um a friend of mine tagged uh just sent me a message uh with her friend's boyfriend who's from America who had it on his phone so <laughs> that's amazing yeah which is really nice but uh but there we go that was Izzy I had so much fun talking to her. If you're listening, Izzy, I'm sorry for getting you up early. I realise you had a very late gig and you had to drive home last night. But we all appreciate your time. And um, thank you so much for being so honest and and giving and just so cool with what you know about design and artwork and materials and uh, branding. If you want to find out more about Izzy, she's got an amazing podcast that I subscribe to called The Z-List Deadlist which you can find by Googling Zedless Deadlist. All those links on her show notes on rcindustrypodcast.tumblr.com. You can also follow her on Twitter, links on the show notes, or just search her name. Uh, and obviously contact her if you want to do any work with her. And contact her through her website if you want to work with her. Part two of this is episode eight of the podcast, which you can find uh, on iTunes or on the website. Subscribe. Basically, if you subscribe, you'll get every episode into your inbox. If you can't subscribe to it in iTunes, essentially, but you do want to get like a nudge to tell you when it's up and you want to find out about it before anyone else, you can join the mailing list, which you can do uh, either on the website. There's a link on there or you can go to bitly.com, which is B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Simon Kane has a mailing list. That's the URL uh, because they let me pick whichever one I wanted and I was feeling particularly imaginative. That's uh, Simon Kane spelled C-A-I-N-E has a mailing list Uh, if you go there you can subscribe to uh, just the podcast or everything I'm working on and yeah uh, I'll I'll email you about upcoming guests as well as be able to ask some questions the emails come from my personal email account so 
uh, if you want to f- communicate with me directly, I'm on my email most days uh, and I'm not always on every other platform. Um, so as a result, that's probably the best place to get me anyway. If you really enjoyed it and you've got a minute, if you could leave it a review on iTunes, uh, that'd be great. If you've already been, if you're one of the 17 people who have already reviewed it on iTunes, don't worry, your job is done. But if you want to be helpful as well, you can share it. Share the link to the website so that the people can find uh, this podcast and other ones that might interest them. Or, uh, you know, put it on Facebook. Basically, share the links. It really helps with download numbers and helps with guests. I keep saying it. There's no other way of saying it. And yeah, that'd be really helpful. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in episode eight, which if you're quick, you should be able to find within about a minute of this. Bye. 